1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. Wow, it's been a month since we last spoke with you. And I mean, not with each other directly, but definitely about the devils because there's Honestly, it's been very little happening. It's, it's that August dog days doldrum kind of deal in the NHL season where uh, there are some minor things we can catch up on, but mainly we wanted to come to you with this episode to check back in with you, uh, to let you know what's coming for the New Jersey Devils in a few weeks here and to get ready for the start of the season in addition to some site news that we have to uh, recap here. So uh, my name is Dan Roselle and I'm joined as always by John Fisher. Hey, John. Hello. John, uh, it's been a busy August for the site, even though it hasn't been a busy August for the Devils. Um, Are there any, you know, things in particular you want to highlight of the content from AATJ, you know, for the month of August, since I know we had talked about the assistant coaches that the Devils got. I know there's a lot of um, articles about their history, what they'll bring to the team, but anything else that you feel is worth mentioning? Because honestly, not a lot happened in the last month.
0: Well, I did write way too many words about the various playoff droughts that every almost every nhl team has ever suffered Mm -hmm. uh, to try to pick out lessons because this may surprise you dan the devils are in a playoff drought right now and it might be worth understanding like uh looking at history that you know there's not one there's not one correct way to get out of a playoff drought um Mm -hmm. in terms of major lessons learned um and again i wrote a lot about this so i encourage everybody to go uh take some time to read through it but the big The two major lessons are, one, ownership really does drive a lot of this because you'd be surprised how many of these playoff drafts were driven by ownership issues, whether it's an owner that doesn't want to be an owner anymore, an owner that doesn't have any money, an owner passing away, uh, ownership basically causing, you know, wanting other people in charge and, you know, there are power, power struggles behind the scenes that lead to bizarre decisions. You know, I think it wasn't that long ago when, you know, Ownership split up in Tampa Bay because Owen Cools wanted to trade Vincent Lecavier and mm-hmm. Len Barry finally said enough. <laughs> and Gary Bettman had to step in and say, you guys can't be owners anymore. You, you it gotta is send enough. this out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I, even, even in more benign cases where Ted Leonis basically said, yeah, we can't win with a $77 million contract to Yarmir Yager. Let's tear it down. And that's how they eventually ended up with Alex Ovechkin. Um And yes, they did give Yager $77 million back in uh, after that infamous trade that brought him to the capitals. But the larger point is that ownership really does drive everything from the top down. So if ownership has issues and they can't provide the resources or they pick the wrong people to be your general manager and your team president and other leadership positions, that's going to cause problems down to the team level. And It happens so many times in NHL history, and it even happened to the Devils and their longest playoff drought of nine years where the Rockies were handed, changed hands something like four times before they ended up to John McMullen. Mm -hmm. And then it came to, well, John McMullen kept picking the wrong guys and ultimately found, well, let me take a chance on this college guy named Lamorello. And it turns out when you hire the right people, it works out much
1: better. And uh, Um, this week marked the anniversary of that hire as well. I think I saw um one of those on this day was 35 years ago the devils hired lou yep 1986 i believe is the year over 87 yeah right mm-hmm. yep
0: so that's that uh the other major lesson and there's a whole bunch of lessons but the major one that the ownership is the first one the second one is and i'm gonna say this very carefully so everybody pay attention because this is this is not just a hockey lesson dan this is a oh basketball lesson this is a baseball lesson this is a football lesson it's called life why not it's called life yeah i want to say soccer but you and i both know soccer doesn't work the same way in (laughs) in this regard it is quote do not buy into the process the cycle the the you know the concept that you're in a playoff drought because you've had success and this and you're paying for that success Mm -hmm. not all droughts are the same and more importantly the results are absolutely not the same because a lot of fans have put a lot of hope looking at Pittsburgh and Chicago saying, well, they were really awful. They drafted really well and therefore they became really, really good. That's only part of the story. Chicago does not win a Stanley cup shortly after drafting Patrick Kane. If they didn't have, um, Trades and signings like getting Marion Hosa or Martin Havlett or Nikolai Hobby Bullitt or Crystal Walhoe or Antti Niemi and, and a whole host of other decisions that I could point out to in Chicago. Pittsburgh absolutely is not a contender for the better part of the last 15 years if they weren't relying on their pro scouts and their amateur scouts for undrafted mm-hmm. free agents, uh, making, making really bold trades and still kicking on, even with uh,
1: Crosby getting up there in age and Malkin turning into a half season superstar. Um, People, people forget how much these teams had to retool. Like, yeah, it's nice to have that nucleus, but again, you have to build around it. some of these players are going to leave, take more money elsewhere. You have to make trades that look undesirable, but end up working out really great. And again, it's, it's two sides of this. Do you want to be post Gretzky Edmonton where they get pick after pick after pick and they bottom out and yeah they have the best player in the world but has it gotten them anything just yet or would no. you rather be colorado they bottomed out they even bottomed out with their best player and then it all turned around and the right pieces came together at the right, right. time as the court and I'm grew glad together you mentioned
0: colorado dan because one mm-hmm. of the other things i wrote and i'm patting myself on the back a little bit for this one because related to the um lessons learned you know i did a quick post about you know how were the devil's championship teams built and i included the 2012 team you know just to show like yes you need to draft well but you also need to have good free agent decisions and good trade decisions and picking mm-hmm. the right coaches you need all of this you can't just have one of it you yep. know so those who are saying you know you got to draft well you got to draft well. yes you do but you got to do other things too mm-hmm. um the colorado avalanche dan while their core is mostly drafted, you know, McKinnon, Ratnin who was picked after Pavel Zaka uh, Cog. infamously. Landeskog was McCarr. drafted second overall. McCarr was fourth overall in his draft year. But here's the thing, Dan, those four players we just mentioned, that's it. They've mm-hmm. only had six drafted players on that championship roster. And, you know, no disrespect to Bowen Byram. He, he averaged over 19 minutes per game. So credit to him. And Alex Newhook is on the come up. So there you go. But that's six guys out of 23, mm-hmm. you know. Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz were a trade and an undrafted free agent, respectively. Uh, Valery Nachushkin was a free agent signing. Nazim Kadri was you know, acquired in a big trade with Toronto a couple of years back. So much of that roster was acquired through other means outside of the draft. And it wasn't like Colorado was so good at drafting that they were able to pull their draft capital otherwise. Like, unless you think really highly of Tyson Jost, which I don't know who does. Uh, but the larger point here, Dan, is that Being a good GM and putting together a contender, there's no one, you know, magic rule or golden rule to follow. And it goes back to what I said about the process. You know, I included this infamous clip from the Edmonton Oilers of Craig McTavish and Kevin Lowe, both guys who played with Gretzky and even after Gretzky in Edmonton, won a whole bunch of cups, being challenged for once by the media to say, you know, because they're going on about saying the same things that you and I would say is all, you know, you've been really good for a while, so you got to be bad. You're paying the price for that. And that was regarding to a 2006 Cup run that was seven seasons before the video was taken. So seven years later, a media guy's like, it's been seven seasons. And Kevin gets huffy saying, you know, I know a little something about winning. And it's like, bro, it's been seven years. You've had these top picks. You You had the ability to sign lots of guys. You have stable ownership in Edmonton what what's it's you dude <laughs> it's you we,
1: we know uh, the turnaround can be very very quick both in the positive and negative direction too yeah
0: and likewise some organizations like boston and montreal they just don't miss the playoffs for very long the boston bruins had one eight season drought which was ended legendarily by you know the emergence of bobby Orr and the big trade for phil esposito and ken hodge uh but since that they eight season playoff drought. down they've never missed the playoffs more than two times in a row since 1968 and they've only missed the playoffs a total of seven times yeah, since good. 1968 Montreal on the other hand they've never had a drought longer than three seasons that might change now but then again a lot of people thought the same way in 2018 and then they you know magically got into the return to play uh format won their qualifier against Pittsburgh and then the following year they you know, on the edge of a knife, made the playoffs, upset Toronto in the first round to much laughter and delight to the to the hockey world, and then went on a playoff run that seemingly iced Bergervin's job and Dominic Ducharme's job before they both got fired. So, you know, lots, lots can change quickly. But the point is, is that some organizations, even old organizations like Montreal and Boston, You know, they constantly retool. They're constantly reloading. Their ownership does not expect anything less than success. Even if you want to call them mediocre or just okay, they're in the mix more often Mm -hmm. than not. So this notion that there's a cycle where you're good and then you have to be bad and then you're good and then you have to be bad. That's not true. And anybody who believes that, whether you're a fan, a broadcaster, a pundit, a hockey blogger, a hockey podcaster, or in the case of Craig McTavish and Kevin Lowe, actual quote-unquote hockey men, mm-hmm. it's not true. It's not true.
1: Stop accepting failures. And at this point, you know, after winning, I'm going to put it in quotes. I mean, it's air quotes always every time we say it. But after winning the offseason all the time. Don't you want to see it manifest at least once? Like I understand exactly. if it's a it's a kind of thing where you can tell that the team is punting the off season to, to maybe try and uh, arrange for a tank and increase their draft position. But the Devils haven't done that. They've tried no. to improve the last three seasons, and for one reason or another, it hasn't gone well. So it's time. Yeah. It's time to uh, time to make that work. It, it the time to make it work was two seasons ago, <laughs> or last season.
0: Uh, it's but overdue absolutely...
1: time. But let, let's overdue. just say. Let's just say the world situation two seasons ago and a season ago, um, uh, while tough for everyone, was particularly difficult on the Devils, and there's no reason in particular that happened, but just seems that they got Murphy's Law two years in a row. Uh, But that being said, hopefully the drought ends here. Hopefully they can get this core going, and it's tough because the division only got better. I think we had some posts about uh, how – different teams around the division improved, got mm-hmm. better or worse. I know there's some other uh, blogs that did so as well. So the Metropolitan should be an interesting one to follow. Um, what else do we have in terms of uh, articles on the site? Obviously we talked goaltending. What will right. happen? What is the devil's potential if their goaltending holds? These are all things you can find um, mentioned on our website for sure.
0: Certainly. And there've been and as preseason is getting closer and closer because it is less than a month away now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, someone, Stephen wrote about uh, potential PTO targets, which I personally don't think are, there's going to be too many of the devils mm-hmm. kind of have a full roster as it is between Utica and New Jersey and other available prospects. And uh, Jimmy P- VZ ain't coming back. He's a nope. Ranger again. Yep. He signed a PTO with, uh, our hated rivals. Zach Aston re signed a PTO with, uh, Toronto. The, mm-hmm. the main purpose of these PTOs is also just to fill roster spots for your preseason games. Yep. Uh, cause by, I think NHL rule, you have to have at least eight veterans in a game for preseason and understandably for those first couple preseason games, you may not want to put, you know, your top players in right away. Cause they've only had a week of camp, um, or in the devil's case, less than a week of camp. They start, uh, their preseason starts six days after the veterans report. Uh, but I don't think the devils are in that situation. Um, the, the roster is pretty hefty in terms of. A lot of guys are going to compete for very few spots. Oh yeah, uh, some uh, some ac- some transactions are made by Mr. Fitzgerald over the next couple of weeks, which I highly doubt is going to happen. That might happen if there's anything that might happen closer to the beginning of the actual season on October 13th, which is almost a month away. Dan, we're very yeah. close. We're very very close. But Dan, one of the things that uh, I recently posted, uh, which is relevant to the upcoming season, is the national broadcast schedule. Our friends Hooray! at Disney. Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery, by the way, if you have any money, you might want to send it WBD's way because apparently they don't have any uh, because they're cutting everything left and right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they put out press releases back on Tuesday to announce their different broadcast schedules. Uh, Disney, of course, owns ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Plus slash Hulu. Warner Brothers and Discovery, they own TNT. Uh, I could say the Devils are having a couple more national televised games. Uh, Let me quickly run it down here, Dan. I want you to tell me what you noticed, what they all have in common. Sure thing. All right. So for the ESPN slate, uh, there are seven games. Uh, The first five are on ESPN Plus. So, you know, pray for no Leia. Uh, October 13th, the home, or the season opener, I should say, Devils at Philadelphia. That'll be John Tortorella's first game that was actually highlighted in the press release. Uh, Mm -hmm. October 20th, Devils at Islanders. Uh, Tuesday, January 10th, Devils at Carolina. Friday, January 13th, Devils at Anaheim, and this was the other game highlighted in the press release because it's, they they highlighted that it's going to be Jack Hughes versus Trevor Zegras. So you can already hear that uh, the 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 people at Disney, the uh, the decision makers, the 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 the, uh, the deciders, if you will, mm. believe that the big deal is a big deal, Dan. Well, that's good. Right. I hope so. <laughs> I- valentine's day devils at columbus yes get ready to have your heart broken by johnny gaudreau on valentine's day i hate it uh february so annoying so annoying that they would do that yep february 16th devils at st louis and then april fool's day devils at chicago that's your seven games on the disney slate of networks the last two are on espn television St. L- the St. Louis game is going to be on ESPN. The Chicago game is going to be on ESPN,
1: too. John, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, you said but at wait. a lot of times. But wait, Dan, there's more. There's
0: more? There's more because, again, there's the Turner slate. Um, Surely they can't both be at. Well, Dan, I regret to tell you that they are. Uh, Devils Surely at Florida. not, <laughs> Devils at Florida on December 21st and Devils mm-hmm. at Detroit on January
1: 4th. Yeah, they get the TNT. They get some national coverage this year, some more than they got last year. Uh, that's due to the emergence of Jack Hughes. And also it doesn't hurt that he's American and also it doesn't hurt that he's friends with Trevor Zegras, who is the new media darling of the NHL. Um, and again, it makes sense that they have more games. He did manage to uh, emerge and make a name for himself more than he already had. But they're all on the road. They There's some sort of weird moratorium about filming inside the Prudential Center suddenly. And so uh, the Devils will be in their road uniforms for every single nationally televised game, which kind of stinks, to be honest with you, unless they happen to be wearing the uh, the black jerseys in one of those games or maybe some reverse yeah. retro.
0: That's right. The reverse retros are coming.
1: Uh, the, the they We're back. We're back in the green. Well, actually, we may not be back in the green. The rumors yeah. have it that uh, they're going to take on colors from the Kansas City Scouts part of the franchise. Ah, the, yes. The, the yellow red. The, the two years of Kansas City
0: where they were terrible yeah, and we're, jumped ship to Colorado immediately.
1: We were all there. We all remember it fondly when they won like 17 games that one season. That was really awesome. Um, yeah, I don't really get that, but we'll see what happens when the actual jersey comes out. Maybe it'll look better than I think. Regardless, they're going to be on the road for all seven of those games. Interesting choice to say the least, but whatever, it's fine. At least they get the coverage. At least uh, they get to play on the national stage a little bit, get used to having a lot of eyes on them. You want to get used to that kind of audience when you're playing in the playoffs. So, um, all power to them.
0: Well, again, you know, if you're a season ticket holder like myself, at least you can feel good that you don't have to wonder um, if you're not going to see um, Ken Danico and the new Devils play-by-play announcer. But we mm-hmm. talked about him uh, last time.
1: Bill Spaulding.
0: Yes, Bill Spaulding. I blanked on his name. Once once mm-hmm. I start hearing him regularly, I will commit his name to better memory. Yep, yes, yep. Bill Spaulding of many, many talents, caller of track and field, Hockey, football, fencing, downhill skiing. You need a versatile man. You I just need to clip you man. saying
1: football every time we talk about football from now on. Football. <laughs> you, could, you,
0: you, 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 could, you could thank Bob Davy of uh, college football fame for that because he actually yeah. just calls it fooball. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, though, speaking of college football, Dan. Oh. Michigan is known for its college <laughs> football. But Michigan wow. is also known for its hockey. Nice. Michigan is known for a lot of collegiate success. I'm not going to say they're at the level of UCLA where they can claim over 100 national championships mm-hmm. in various different sports here. However, if you're a college athlete and you don't mind being in Ann Arbor, and as long as you're not being recruited by Rutgers for football or basketball, you might consider Michigan as a destination especially if you're a hockey player Mm -hmm. as they have been loaded with talent in recent years and dan they announced their
1: leadership group who is among that uh, leadership group dan one of those leaders that uh is announced for that leadership group is someone who happened to uh break the record for most points by a freshman in michigan history i believe and his name is luke hughes so Luke Hughes is an assistant captain for the team. We love to see it. We love to see him getting leadership roles. We love to see him breaking records. We love pretty much everything about him so far. Um, And we're looking forward to seeing how he spends this year captaining or assistant captaining the Michigan team. It's really, really cool that he gets this opportunity. And honestly, I think it's very likely that uh, you know, depending on how the season shakes out, both the Devils and Michigan's, there's a p- strong possibility. We'll see him up with the team in the final stretches of the season.
0: Yeah. It's going to depend on how well Michigan does obviously and the situation with the Devils. Um, mm-hmm. cause you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, throw a guy, especially a defenseman immediately in after college, but yeah. it could happen, but, um, yeah, credit to Luke Hughes, because being a captain on a college team, especially Dan, um, speaks to a player's character. It speaks to a player's um, or it speaks to the team's value of the player. It speaks mm-hmm. to that. This is a guy that you want to go to when times are tough or you're an experienced player. You go to him to get an understanding of what you should do. So the, the, the criticism of his, in his draft class about his character continues to take blows, Dan body blows as if it was a <laughs> UFC fight, uh, you know, um, you know, the hater and loser of Luke Hughes, of which there is one continues to take L's, uh, credit to Luke Hughes and the Michigan squad for doing so. And this will be a big opportunity for a big season for Luke Hughes at Michigan, uh, like his older brother, Quinn, um, you know, he's following Quinn's path of two seasons before going to the NHL, mm-hmm. um, you know, without Owen power, without Maddie Beniers, cause it looks like they're going to, they've already signed with, uh, Buffalo and Seattle respectively. Um, you know, it's, it's Luke's team, effectively. You know, he's going to be the top defenseman, or at least he should be the top defenseman. He should be one of the major players on offense, along with guys like, and I'm going off memory here, so I apologize if I get this wrong, like a Thomas Borlow. Um I'm Trying to think who else is on the Michigan team that, because I almost Ken said Maddie ben- Ken, Ken, Ken Johnson might make Columbus, though. Yeah, which is so, kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Another another reason to not look forward to that Valentine's Day game. You might get to yeah. see Johnny Gaudreau feed video game like player Kent Johnson, you know, for for feeds. Yeah. He'll be screaming. You forgot. I'm I don't have to be Oliver Bjorkstrand to
1: disappoint you. I mean, yeah, as recently as last year, power was there. He's out now. So that's that's something it's 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 a team that expects a lot. So they yeah. naturally expect a lot from their leadership.
0: Right, and it's also a team with a new look, too, because of a Mm -hmm. past behind-the-scenes issue involving uh, Mel Pearson. He's Mm -hmm. been out, um, understandably so. So there's a new head coach. And again, with Michigan, given the amount of talent, the fact they continue to recruit top future NHL talent to their organization, the expectation is compete for a national championship. It's not enough to just win the Big Ten, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is still not an easy thing to do, considering... Um, the other teams in that uh, conference but hey go it wouldn't mean
1: anything if it was easy
0: of course not it it, that's exactly the correct stance to take if it was easy it wouldn't be worth talking about
1: Mm -hmm. all right so as uh, Luke Hughes continues to do that uh, we should expect to see given that kind of development Luke appear on a different list that uh, we do annually here at AATJ and again this list you're all very familiar with it we're not going to go into detail about it today because it's almost done being released uh so we're going to cover it almost in full pretty much in full because you can make some assumptions about the top five uh probably in our next episode but that list is the top 25 players under 25 of which luke hughes is certainly on there and many players that you know and certainly hope to love one day as parts of the new jersey devils
0: absolutely in fact luke hughes's teammate ethan edwards Just barely missed out on the top 25. Mm -hmm. So there's your tease
1: for the next episode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll break down all the players that made it, the players who were close, but didn't quite make it. Uh, a lot of uh, new names on the list, obviously, with all the draft picks the Devils had this year, and then a lot of names departing through various transactions or just aging out of the process. So uh we'll be sure to cover that next week and really highlight anything that we might miss in this upcoming week. In terms of Devils housekeeping, that's really all I had on my plate. How about you? That is
0: pretty much it. The only thing I do want to give a special mention to is that. Um... Recently, I want to say Thursday, or was it Thursday? Right. And more recently, uh, the USA Hockey Hall of Fame class has oh, announced right. their 2022 group. Uh, it, the class is being led by Ryan Miller, who, believe it or not, has won more games than any other American goaltender in NHL history.
1: So, Actually, a great trivia fact.
0: Great, great fact. Uh, Paralympic gold medal winner Steve Cash is part of the group. If you're into women's hockey, you know these two incredibly well. The Lamoureux twins, Uh, they've won a heap of medals and awards and accolades in the women's game. So credit to Jocelyn Lamoureux and Monique Lamoureux. And of course, speaking of Olympians, uh, the late uh, Jim Johansson, um, he was an Olympian. He's been in hockey as an executive for an incredibly long time. Um, he's being, he, he unfortunately passed away with uh, heart disease at the age of 53 back in 2018. So this is a posthumous, uh, ceremony, but, uh, he was one of the people that helped launch the, um, the developmental model that became the United States national team developmental program and securing an arena in Plymouth, Michigan as a base for those, uh, teams. So mm-hmm. credit to him, uh, for the rise of American hockey, so to speak. So, um, yep. That's going to be the, uh, group. I believe I'm trying to see. Yeah. They're going to announce it. it the, the actual induction is going to be in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually the 50th class of the U S hockey hall of fame. So it is also another milestone for that. The other, the only other thing I got to mention, Dan, is that the devils are celebrating oh, yeah. their 40th season. And so they basically took the Binghamton logo, replaced that devil head with the number 40, and it's going to be on their pucks mm-hmm. among other things i'm sure i'm sure they'll sell t-shirts or hats with it you know
1: um, yeah
0: oh one last bit speaking of hats did you want the hat hat
1: dan the hat hat absolutely i want the hat hat
0: too bad they're not making any more of them
1: sad 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 news but hey i can totally see that as a fundraiser for some uh for a limited run of those anytime they want to those were we mocked the merchandise at first but honestly they sold like crazy these jerseys ended up growing a lot on people i think and uh Mm. became a little bit endearing by the end admit it admit it you ever saw a spot for them in your heart no 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 no, bit, no, 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 right, no, fine, no, 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 no. Fine, whatever. Nope, nope, Fine. Nope. Whatever. As John looks to discover joy at some point here, uh, we'll sign off for this episode and look forward to the next one when we talk about the top 25 under 25. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for uh braving the offseason. I know it wasn't easy to not talk or really see much hockey for a long time here, but we're in the home stretch. You're gonna see some people playing playing hockey in devils uniforms very very soon all right with that like i said thank you for listening and let's go devils see you next time